All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Dive Bar Mitzvah. I'm Ian Rands. I'm coming at you pre-recorded but recorded live at the uh, Sunrise Inn. I think that's it. Uh, in lovely North Minneapolis or South, lovely, yeah, they, no, no, this yeah is lovely South Minneapolis. Street East and Thirty Fourth Avenue yeah, South. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the exact corner we're on. Yeah. Um, and our guest today has some history here, but um, I was let me. Years old. I lived three blocks. From yeah, well, let me start with a little bit of history I have uh, with him, and also uh, something weird happened the other day. I was uh, I was on Facebook, which isn't weird, but um, somebody had posted this really dumb story about how REM um, was going to sue uh, Donald Trump for like two hundred million dollars, and I I heard this and I was like, well, that's obviously bullshit. And then I looked at the the link uh, and I saw right away that the uh, URL was NBC.news.com.co, and I knew this is obviously bullshit. This is obviously not a real thing, so I didn't even bother clicking it because you know my bullshit detector is still pretty strong, so. Kind of forget about it. About an hour later, somebody uh, posted again. Like, friends of mine who should be smarter post this shit. I'm just like, okay, you guys are chumps. I, REM obviously isn't going to sue uh, Donald Trump. And if you hadn't heard, I believe that Donald Trump used uh, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine at a rally. And REM, of course, being more liberal-minded, were not cool with this and thought that was you know, not acceptable and sent a cease and desist. And that's usually pretty much the end of this. Usually no one's going to sue after that. But they, everybody got some publicity. Everybody was happy. So anyway, this made-up news story on my feed uh, that, that REM is suing Donald Trump for $200 million. I'm like, well, what a bunch of shenanigans. So after I see it, after somebody else posts about an hour later, about an hour after that, there's a link to an article on the AV Club saying that REM is suing Donald Trump for $200 million. And I'm like, I know this isn't true. Like, I, I, I went back and I checked the old link and I clicked on it. I'm like, this is the most obvious fabricated bullshit link ever. This is, it's NBC.news.co. There's a phone number at the bottom with some guy's name. It's obviously just some clickbait bullshit. But the AV Club, in addition to some ignorant friends of mine, fell for it. Now, this is important for a number of reasons. The AV Club is the music side of The Onion. So, oh. for the first time ever, The Onion has gotten beat at their own game. The snake has eaten its own tail. Fake news site accidentally ran fake news story by somebody else. The world is coming to an end. As you know, I mean, The Onion was read, like, I believe on the, on the floor of Congress by, you know, some ignorant old white guy who's a senator somewhere and you know your ignorant family member will post something about it if it happens to back up whatever political belief they have but now the onion has fallen for a fake news story which is sad and but also kind of telling about the era we live in where the onion kind of was a butterfly that flapped its wings and now they're even reporting the bullshit news uh but the reason I bring this up, because I'm here with a guest who I would not know if it wasn't for bullshit news, if it wasn't for fake news. In the year 2000, I worked at a music magazine called Toast. It's all right if you don't remember it. It was a long time ago now. It was a, an alt music monthly. It was great. It was fun. Um, I was the art director there. It was ran out of my living room. And this April Fool's came up, and... I was lamenting to my then girlfriend how April Fool's has gone to hell, how nobody really takes the spirit of it anymore, how nobody actually has any fun. And I assumed she looked at me and probably told me to shut up and do it myself then. And I'm like, you know what? Damn it, I will. So I did, and um, I came up with a concept. I'm like, all right, what would be a funny news story that I could fax out to all the local news media that someone might fall for? And the first thing that came to mind was that First Avenue the downtown nightclub of choice for people in the tri-state area is going out of business and they're moving to Blaine. Now, of course, I'm more of a big picture guy. I uh, called up my uh, the editor for Toast, Todd Bennington, a good friend of mine, um, and I said, here, I got an idea. First Avenue is moving to Blaine. Write it like a press release. Can you get it to me in an hour? He's like, no problem. An hour later, he gets me this. While he was writing the article about moving to Blaine in an abandoned super value it was now going to be called, I believe, like the 108th Street and the Frontage Road entry. Um, and all of this just bullshit. Where if you, The first paragraph read pretty official, but after that it was obvious just you know, made-up crap. 
Um, and it was sent out on April Fool's, which should have been the clue. And we, uh, so while he was writing this, I was laying out a First Avenue style letterhead because I didn't have one, but I had a logo and I knew the phone numbers. So I used the real phone numbers, someone to actually follow up and find out that, you know, this is in fact bullshit. And I figured maybe the Minnesota Daily would fall for it. I figured maybe, you know, I don't know, the Richfield Shopper or whatever. I had a pretty good media list for the magazine for press releases we'd send out. But I sent it out to everybody, sent it out to, you know, everybody from the Roseville Shopper to Care 11 to WCCO. And lo and behold, the next morning, uh, WCCO was out front with a live news crew. I believe it would have been a satellite uplink. They're out there live spending the money and um, telling the world First Avenue's moving to Blaine and they're changing their name and it's going to be horrible. Uh, and it's really a change of the market. Now, everybody started freaking out because you don't put stuff like this up on WCCO and have it end up not being true. So everybody freaks out. I go into hiding. I don't tell anybody about it. But after a while, this was right around the 30th anniversary of First Avenue. So they're having a big party and everybody was in a good mood and everybody saw the humor in this. 30th. Yeah, I think it was the 30th. But anyway, so but everybody saw the humor in it. Everybody saw that they got press out of it. And I came out to uh, my friend Nate, who, uh, who was the booker there. And then, a couple days later, it led to the most horrifying phone call in my life when our guest called me at home. And it scared the shit out of me because I, all I knew about our guest today is that he doesn't take any bullshit and that, that he's intimidating to be around. Um, and I'm easily intimidated and I'm mostly full of shit. So without any further ado, my now old friend, which I'm thrilled to say, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve McClellan, our guest. And uh, that was the longest intro ever, but uh, <laughs> thank you for waiting through it. Steve, how are you doing today? And, and uh, uh, fortunately, or unfortunately for your listeners, I, I don't remember all the details. The only thing I remember is that Byron Frank, who was Alan Fingerhut's main whatever at the time, yeah. decided we should hire you. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I found kind of amusing. <laughs> I guess that's the punchline of the joke I left off. After all this bullshit, after feeling like I was going to get sued, you call me. I'm basically shitting myself because Steve McClellan, you know, basically this hulking figure of the Minneapolis music scene, is calling little old me, and he's going to yell at me and make me cry. But no, you gave me a job. And uh, because, yeah, I mean, because I got press for the club, and you, it got you on the news a couple different times it talking did? about how, no, we're not moving, but in fact, you know, we're on a month-to-month -month lease or something. Yeah, 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 We're yeah, constantly yeah. under threat of getting screwed. Like, this could happen, and you were very smart with your spin on this. Well, yeah, except that this is what i got to remind you, and it, it, I don't remember details of very much. This is going to so be a fun I interview, just, Steve. I, I just make stuff up yeah, at times. It, okay. So if I start making stuff up that's not true, you correct me. You tell me what really happened. I, I will I will but, try. My, my okay. information is a little foggy on a lot of this okay. stuff, too. So what I'm telling you is that, and I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a pretty good idea. Hiring me? Well, no, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, and, uh, but I couldn't believe I didn't under, I guess as, as an afterthought, I could figure out, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that would have been the year 2000, right? Yep, in the year 2000, that yeah, futuristic you, year that's 15 years ago yeah, now. Yeah, 15. So do you remember, because I don't, was this, had the feud between Alan Fingerhut and Byron Frank began? Yet? I don't believe it had. Now, we're getting a little inside baseball here. Yeah. Alan Fingerhut was the owner of First Avenue for oh, that's right, basically yeah. up until right around that point. Even Danny Stevens opened it as the depot on April 3rd, 1970. Yep. Joe Cocker, Mad Dog, Englishman Tour. If you need all the history. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need it, but if you want to share it, you can, because it seems like... Avenue's moving to Blaine, and they're changing their name, and it's going to be horrible. Uh, and it's really a change of... ...their uses. <laughs> 70, Joe Cocker, you know, I mean, you pretty much every opening sentence is the same. <laughs> but, yeah, Alan Fingerhut was the owner of First Avenue for a long time, and then there was a bit of a kerfuffle and some actual lawsuits, not threatened lawsuits, and then uh, yeah, the well, change of ownership. Well, way before that, there'd already been the threat of closing. And yeah, exactly, and that's, and that's... The depot. Yeah. Um, we could go through that mundane history if you want. I remember some of the facts as it was laid out for me years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you well, read the press I, releases. I, I did not work there when it was the depot. Of course, yeah. I, but I mean, but yeah, I'm just kind of laying out that uh, there was about to be a large shift in the uh, way First Avenue was ran. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you were smart enough to take this phony press release I wrote and the media's reaction to it and spin it into the reality that First Avenue 
we could be getting kicked out any day now. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, always a, always a possibility. Which is the truth, you know. I, and you got out there, and I think that I mean, and honestly, I think I saved First Avenue. I think I, I, I did it. You know, at this point in time, if you don't remember yeah, either I, way, I, I, I'm going to say I, it was my, I did it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to back you on that. So because you I don't remember eloquently went to the media and said, "Hey, <laughs> we all could be moving to Blaine for real. This is a hoax, but." It highlights a real problem that we don't have a long-term home. And then next thing you know, Magic Money Pants shows up, buys the club, one way or wow. another. And we don't need to get into that yeah, because I don't want to get, get sued. <laughs> but, but one way or another, it's open. And you know what? I think I was the fulcrum that, that, I, I that switched it over. For all purposes of this interview... Yes. Okay. I can back you Good. On I'm that. glad that Steve McClellan um, has backed me up and, and saving First Avenue. Some real facts that would get me in trouble with the way it's being contrived now that the way it happened. Yeah. Well, we can't change that. No. Remember, according to the Minnesota Monthly, when they did an interview with the new owner, I never worked there. Yeah. Okay? That, that's well, and we'll, we'll come and back the to this Minnesota in a second. Minnesota Monthly actually printed that, that I yep. never worked there. And it was a surprise to me. I thought I had forgotten a lot of so stuff. Soda Monthly is a fine paper, but I'm, I'm just <laughs> making fun of them. No, they're a fine, fine student-run paper. You know, they're great. Uh, anyway, um, and we'll get, we're going to come back to First Avenue in a second. But uh, not only um, do you have a lot of history in this town, we're not here to talk about the past. Um, although this article kind of mentioned it a bit, you were recently written up by John Bream. Is that right? Our, uh, our old guard uh, music writer no, for no, the Star I'm, and good, Tribune. Good. I'm glad we get to talk about that. Good, please. I, I actually was going to call John and humbly thank him well, for being we, put in there with all... But, but the Explain to that, our good listeners what, what you were what happened. Oh, I don't know. I got three or four sentences in a puff article in the Tribune. That, but it listed you as something. Oh, Jesus, Steve! All right, you were the number one unforgettable well, Minnesota uh, character in long, in history. <laughs> no, but you were number one. <laughs> no, no, I think you re- read that article wrong. I think no. Prince or Bob Dylan was number no. No, you one. were number one. No, 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 because I was in if the we non-musical right now, category. If we weren't recording I would bring it up on my phone, even though I think Star Tribune has some weird sort of pay portal, and it would but, probably but you block know, me. The most pleasing part of that, and you've got to believe me here, when I saw Leanne listed. Oh, yeah, Leanne, and explain I to everybody was, who Leanne is. Oh, Leanne Weimer is probably, I always tell people, during those early years that I don't remember much, there <laughs> were two people that actually made all the decisions and kept the club open. Yeah. And a lot of people remember Chrissy Dunlap. Yes, of course. Because she was married to Slim Dunlap. Yep. And, and, well, it was these two women, Chrissy Dunlap and Leanne Weimer, who actually you can give credit to keeping the club open during the tough years. You can also say Jack did, too, because yeah. he was the responsible adult. Yeah. I needed a lot of adult supervision. But fuck the them. Years. I'm talking to you, Steve. So right now it's the so Steve McClellan Show starring so Steve McClellan. that I had this adult supervision yeah. in my early years. So, and she but, was another unforgettable character. I believe oh, she came at, like, number five. But you were number one no, with a bullet. You no, were no, above no, Dessa. No, but, but you see, that's where the press distorts stuff. Okay. So you were refusing okay, you to take that you're the number one. Okay. the press goes with the, I, I don't know. Are you, are you giving me some sort of Sarah Palin, this is gotcha journalism bullshit, Steve? Gotcha. Have, you turned, <laughs> have you turned in your old age? Are you going down that way? No, but you knew there is a photo shoot that somebody just posted, and I don't believe it's accurate. I guess I, I uh, okay. This this brings us up to the history. This year I went to the state fair once. Mm-hmm. I went with a guy named Bob Cardoso, who was a light guy at First yeah, Avenue, and yeah. then he went on the road with Soul Asylum and the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And now he's in Boston. He's back in Boston now, and he got a job doing theatrical lighting for some of those many East Coast college campuses that are big dry. money. Oh, I don't know, no, no. He didn't explain it was big money. Okay, well, all right. Anyway, but as you anyway, at the anyway, Bob, and then I don't know if you uh, back um, uh, if you remember, you remember Jeff Miller, right? One of my early assistant managers. Well, I started don't. years later. Yeah, that's right. You I'm, always think I started around 1982, but st- I in fact started <laughs> around around well, 2000. The golden era to me, and this is where I think anybody relevant worked. Yeah. 78 to to 84. Four. Okay. 84 was when Purple Rain came out. I, I started working there 16 years and, later. And 78 was when American Events, the disco company, dumped first Avenue. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The golden years, and, and, and I think Bream is the only one that would understand this, actually occurred those years. But anyway, and, so, and I think everybody worked there then. 
All right. But, but what, what's the question? Well, I hadn't got to one yet, Steve. Oh. <laughs> but I'm about to. <laughs> okay. Let's do it together, shall we? Okay. Let's start this thing 16 minutes in. All right. Um, so give me a little background. I know not only are you a hometown local, but you're actually from a place not very far away from here, which is a total coincidence. I only picked this place because it was a 3-2 joint, and you're sober. And I thought that would be, like, the responsible thing for me to do. Like, if I'm going to bring a sober guy somewhere, I'll meet him halfway and meet him at a 3-2 joint. Yeah. But not, <laughs> but not no, only. Well, then they'd close that place. It was on Riverside. No, this is a 3-2 joint. Oh, it is? Yeah, see, there's no booze behind the do bar. They that's have how you know. bumper, do they have bumper pool tables? No, they don't, and that's bullshit. I think that all we need three to bring two that. places back when bars were bars. Yeah. All three two places had bumper, had bumper pool. pool. Well, so did stand up Frank's, and we all know they were full booze. But anyway, you're fr- <laughs> you you spent some time in this neighborhood as a child. You're a local well, kid. Well, no. Give me give me some background on you. Give me the elevator speech on your opening. Well, I I am a product of South Minneapolis. I lived northeast for a very temporary period of time. Um, I don't know. No, I was three years old. I don't remember this place. My dad did. Yeah, well, I'd be kind of concerned. Then, uh, f- then he went and bought a house on 2nd Avenue. Oh, so I, I do remember I went to St. Joan of Arc uh, Kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And the house we lived in was on the wrong side of the street because it got tore down for 35W. Oh, that, that's how old okay. I am, people. Yeah. And then that, this is going to tie into what I'm going to really tell you about yeah. the future for me. Um uh, yeah, the, we were on 2nd Avenue South, but on the wrong side. I still remember Nicollet Park, which is now uh, what it's... Uh, it's a Kmart, uh, right? Is that where no, the Kmart is? No, okay. no, 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 no. It's Martin Luther King Park. Oh, okay, now. okay. It was Nicollet Field, but it was twice as big. Because not only was this the, before Martin Luther King, this was before Martin Luther. Yes, this was in the 50s. I started Annunciation grade school. I'm still working on it. 50, let's see, 55? Anyway, so enunciation, first to eighth grade. Well, your enunciation's great today, Steve, so obviously you learned something. Oh, enunciation's open. I got baptized. I went to Nazareth Hall in ninth grade. Oh. <laughs> I mumble through everything. I was okay. listening to the last podcast, okay. and I was I talking too fast. I can see the way fast. this interview's no, going to go. Oh, I'm going for the easy laugh. <laughs> Good go for it. Uh, but so anyway, but yeah, you're you're a hometown okay, guy. Okay, enunciation. Then then you can you, you you can look it up. I went to Nazareth Hall in ninth grade because I was going to be a priest. Really? That's a fact. Fortunately, they've tore down Nazareth Hall now. It was in Rose. No, no, no. Actually, I think it's operating now. It's not a, a seminary anymore. I don't know what the hell it is. It's in, it was, it was in Roseville. You discredited them. In ninth grade. No, no, no. Because you, you did not go into the priesthood. Is, I never thought about. We all know the story now that priests weren't all as, uh, what shall we say, chaste as they talked about. Not, I'm not following you into this one, Steve. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay, where were we at? Okay, so I left. Anyway, yeah, we're just we're so, giving, we're getting your background. So, so the University of Minnesota, I found out that instead of instead of cleaning out dirty presses on Washington Avenue for like 35 bucks an hour, I could make $1.35 an hour working in a bar. Hot damn. And I jumped at it. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're, you know, and, and there's chicks involved. Well, not only that, but Prestige, much more. I mean, you, yeah. you know, when you clean printing presses, uh, Harrison Smith. Pardon me. I no, don't mean to interrupt your no, not at all. Here. Am I talking too loud? No, I don't I, mean to interrupt oh, I, I just. <laughs> I'm going to get him a. Uh, I'm going to get a plain Coca Cola. A plain Coca Cola for him, and I'm going to have a plain Shells Dark. Oh, okay, now that we're sorry for that commercial introduction. No, see that we're actually in a real bar. For that Shell, it's for Shell beer we're promoting tonight. No, actually and we're not. Oh, didn't Shell's that you, is my old spot. Well, yeah, but they don't. Isn't have, that what you just they ordered? They don't have my beer here. Well, Today, now you can still hit up Shell for some sponsorship uh, money. They, they aren't going to give me any money. They sponsored drinking with you, and trust me, they learned their lesson. Uh, but we're actually brought to you by Stag Beer. It's the beer in the golden can. <laughs> stag Beer can't get enough of that wonderful Stag. Why? Ask for it by name, loudly, and in the in the. Wow, now I'm just now I've been put on a show where your sponsor isn't even being offered at the bar. I yeah, nobody would have noticed if you had do they have bumper do they have bumper pool tape? Hmm. That's true, but you can always edit me out. And you know what this is just gonna be a one <laughs> this is gonna end up just being me. Just nothing no, no, which reminds me of the time that MTV came in and interviewed me and Kevin Cole on the DJ. Oh, group. I've seen I've seen stills from this on Facebook. And uh, they spent about two hours videotaping us. I talked a lot. Thank and you for the table service. When they edit it, oh, here we come with the the stag beer has just arrived. What is it? Five bones total. Five bones total. All right. Well, here. 
Thank you. So anyway, after that commercial break, um, I, I was wrong about the Shell's beer. He just got served a stag beer. Stag beer. Ask for it by and, name. Mm, yeah, mm, right mm, right it's there. the beer that, that comes in the golden I, can. Mm, can't get enough of that stag. Anyway, yeah. you were interviewed by uh, MTV. So now that we're talking stuff factual, this is factual. MTV came in. They did something for their metalhead ball or whatever they called it back Hair then. Hairbangers ball. Yeah, Headbangers ball. Whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And they did a long discussion with Kevin Cole, who which is who I would know. not associate with heavy no, metal at all. No, no, no. Kevin MTV Cole was course, clueless. MTV, of course, uh, interviewed <laughs> Kevin Cole, who was uh, a DJ at First Avenue for many years, went on to be the program director for Rev 105. Right now is at so in program, Seattle. Oh, KEXP. KEXP. Yeah, give it a listen. He's oh, they're awesome. He's got programs syndicated across the country. Yeah, he's he bulletproof. Does. He's great. I'm just giving some um, background. So anyway, and, you're and and mainly he was smart, unlike me. He left Amazon as soon as it became boring. Okay. Had I been as, let's say, perceptive as Mr. Cole, I would have probably left First Avenue before the whole blow-up occurred between ownership. Yeah. yeah. I just kept thinking, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. It didn't. It no. kept getting worse. Well, I mean, and at that point, you're probably in a very unhealthy relationship with the club because at that point, you'd been there for what, 30 years? Well, no, 25? no. Quite simply... Well, I never interacted well. Byron was the finance guy. He got along with Jack. Um, and Alan Finger had put up with me. Yeah. And and uh, the best thing about the whole relationship was Alan allowed us to continue what we were doing. Exactly. Okay. Um, Byron, I remember, they, they both, it was brutal divorce. It was worse than, if you think of the worst divorce you've known from friends and how they go back and forth, bad mouth, you know, it, yeah. it, it was brutal. And all I know is it, it, it disrupted, uh, I think they both knew each other when they're nine years old. Yeah. And this thing just, it was, it was ugly. How mm -hmm. do I say that? It was ugly. It was ugly. Remember, I remind people as I'm bartending now at the schooner, my experience bartending was ended in 1974 when I was serving dime drinks to a college crowd that would ask for their change back after they gave me a quarter <laughs> for a dime drink. <laughs> You're picking up shifts at the schooner. How did this happen? Because I, I, was, I, was, I was blown away when I heard about this. Steve. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know where the schooner is, it's up on East Lake Street. It's a great, it's a great little hole in the wall. Well, they got bands in the back. I, I, and you're there making Wendy, drinks. Wendy, who is a sweetheart owner, I told her two things when she asked me if I wanted to bartend. Well, basically, they found out Wendy, who John, Wendy's fiance, was a sound guy who helped install the first entry sound. He was a sound man for a band called the New Psychonauts. I guess if you look at trivia, the New Psychonauts were the last band to play that series of things Channel 5 had on that started with Mind and Matter. Oh, yeah. the thing. Um, they, what's they, it called? I don't, I don't recall. But, yeah, um, it was this it was But anyway, the last show. show, actually, there's a little story I heard from one of the guys that was producing the show, is that it was lined up for Sussman Lawrence, but the New Psychonauts were opening, and this was at the Longhorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they liked New Psychonauts better than Sussman Lawrence, so they put that on oh, wow. instead okay. of Sussman. Now, I'm sure you're going to get sued now by Sussman Lawrence. I don't think anybody's heard of it. I don't know any of the people you're talking about right now, Steve. I have no oh, idea. fantastic. I'm sorry. Good. Hopefully your audience is as ignorant as you are. <laughs> <laughs> We're expanding my demo. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, yeah, I used to bartend the Wednesday night concert series, which was all Marshall Steen hair bands. It probably didn't. I don't know. Did they do original material? I think Kane did. But then Kane became fragile. You don't need to know all the name of these bands. They're, I don't. I still run into some of the musicians, though. Mm -hmm. They're still playing, and they're playing at the schooner. How are they playing? They sounding good? Oh, they're, they're veteran musicians. But uh, I've known some that, musicians that, that are veteran that haven't learned a fucking thing. Oh, well, no, no. I just heard a band that had uh, the drummer. His nickname's High Pockets, and I don't remember if it's Vince or Nick or Ed High Pockets. <laughs> but he was the second drummer for Willie and the Bees in the 70s. Okay. And the impressive thing is, and I, 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 I recognize both the other guys, but I don't know what bands they were. They're all West Bank blues guys. Mm -hmm. But now they're older, and they were just, if you like... Oh, music like Cream. Yeah. Oh, for your listeners, I like Cream. Cream. I know Cream. Cream was a band that existed um, before all of your times, and and they had kind of a bluesy guitar thing. And, yeah, by a guy named Elton <laughs> Clapter or something. Yeah, yeah I forget yeah, exactly who yeah, it is. Elton Clapton. Um, but these guys, if you like that music, they were tight. They were 
they they were the the amazing thing to me was to listen. And I'm just bartending, you know. And I'm sitting here listening. And what, what's God, the name of this band again? I think it's Ram. I, okay. is she, I never heard of the name of the band. Okay. I showed up to work and I said, who's playing tonight? Ram. Okay. okay. So this is Then a, I hear during the night that, oh, yeah, you know, High Pockets. A there sterling endorsement to. of a band whose name we don't know <laughs> no. about and we don't know when Ram. they're playing. Ram. Okay, they're called Ram. We think it's Ram. Ram with two I think. Or it's Ran. R-A-N-N. One of those two things. But you, anybody that's from the West Bank Blues Circles would recognize these guys. Did you sp- ever spend any time on the West Bank back in the day? It's kind of a legendary. I lived on the West Bank. It's when a it leg- legendary part of Minnesota music history now. There. People look back I on it. It's a in. hollowed time. Tell me about your time there. Well, I pumped gas at the Clark Gas Station on Seven Corners, which is now part of a parking lot for the hotel. Yeah. I, m- I, I mopped the floors at the mixers, which nobody remembers the mixers. It did turn into Sergeant Preston's, okay. which a lot of people remember. Which is now, which is now Republic. Okay, in fact, I'm supposed to go there for some event. There's something going on at Republic next week. That, anyway. Well, stop by. You might see Steve. Anyway, there, no, no, no. This is when I lived in a room in a rooming house at Grandma's. The owner was a guy who was a uh, he was thrown out of the state senate because he had a lot of this building used to be a nursing home. But he had many nursing homes around the state, and he was doing something that got him kicked out of the legislature. It, I, I don't know the details. Look it up in your state history mm-hmm. legislator. His, his, his name was Mayhood. In the story that you read in Grandma's, it's Mayfellow, or okay. they changed it to Mayfun or May. So they couldn't they be They didn't searched call it out. Mayhood. So now we have some homework and to do. And so... He got killed by the winos downstairs because he would collect their... He hung with them. He lived downstairs. Yeah. No students lived in the basement. And, and one night he was at literally killed by the people whose checks he took away and gave them allowances. Yeah, that's And then shared wine with them. And I, I don't know. But you, anybody on the West Bank in that late, late 60s will remember him because Ralph Mayhood would drive around in a pink Cadillac with suspenders and no shirt on and a straw southern hat. Yeah. That's the, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. Look it up. They didn't talk about it when the guy from Duluth bought it and put it into a pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fixed it up, cleaned it up, and all of a sudden, Mayhood was a fiction and not what he really was. Because yeah. if they would have said, oh, yeah, he was a wino, lived in the basement, he got thrown <laughs> He's ripping out everybody out, then he got killed. Of, well, no, no, I, I don't know the dirty details, but I'm sure it's on record. You have to do something. You know politicians today. I, I, I personally don't, but <laughs> well, I'm familiar well, with them. Okay, do you read stories? I do. Okay. Do you believe that they're all as clean and honest as their campaign literature? You're, you're trying to tell me they're not. I'm, I'm saying that there's some stuff that never gets let out, and you find about it after they're dead, or it blows up in their face. Yes. Well, for Senator Mayhood, look it up, Senator Mayhood, 40s. He did some funny business with the laws regarding nursing homes, of which he owned a lot, and it was so serious that they kicked him out of the legislature. How often does somebody at the state legislature get kicked up? That's a good question. Not very often, no. But, okay, so you want to know about Mayhood. So I no, I didn't. No, no, I wanted to know about the, the 60s West okay, Bank 60s music. 60s West Bank. Well, the Triangle was still open, which was a great. The West Bank was the best place in town for music. It had Caesars, where the Red Sea is now. Okay. Um, it had, uh, well, of course, the Cedar Cultural Center. It had the Five Corners Bar. It had Dania Hall, which got burnt down, and the city didn't have it insured when it got burned oh, down. Oh, that's right, yeah. Dania Hall. It's got a history. And, and of course... I was there too late for the Bob Dylan time, but that's where... What did you see? What kind of music did you see there? What was your music taste like before First Avenue? Oh, oh, when I was in college? Because now you're synonymous with an era of local music. it's all fake. It's all... But what was your taste in music before you got the gig? uh, No, no, I used to play foosball. No, but what was your taste in music before the gig? Well, I gave away my whole record collection. I was Pablum. I was the high school kid that it had to get played on commercial radio. Oh, really? Running... Oh, I was the perfect. champion of underground music, music. here in town could not give less of a damn to mainstream music. If they played the, the I, I always tell people, I bought the Yardbirds over under upside down. Yeah. Be, not because it was the Yardbirds. I was clueless. I, I, I just ran into a musician that was at that very same show. He remembers the set list. He remembers the players. That's I weird. don't remember shit. <laughs> I, I, all I remember is I bought the album. I think Elton Clapton was in that band, too. It, no, no, no. You're, you're right. Yeah. The Yardbirds, it was, yeah. well, no, but I couldn't but it's, remember it's probably if it was a Beck Jeff era. Beck. It was Beck era, I bet. Beck. Or it Page. was the over Yeah. 
Peck and Page were in the band. Yeah, yeah. I was not into music. I was into foosball. I had a record collection. Yeah, I had actually, if Kevin Cole were to see, I think he's the first one that told me, oh, you know, you gave away $10,000 of records to John Cass. Talk to somebody knowledgeable about the record. Yeah. I had like the Barbarians, Are You a Boy or Are You a Oh, Girl? I love that song. But I just had the 45 picture disc. Yeah, oh, geez. But I never okay. bought their album because yeah. that was the only thing I listened to exactly. because that's are the only thing radio played. Yes, or are you a girl? <laughs> You might be a boy. Now, if you're a boy, you come from Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. See, you know the Gee, song better than be me, and I bought the single when it first but came you out. you look like a girl. Yeah, I remember that song. My, my father was in a cover band. He was in a 60s garage rock cover band. They did that song. They brought the house down. You know, the big hit when Bob was back was Dirty Water by the Standells. Yeah. I had that single, too. The easiest song to play on guitar. I can show I can show anyone how to play that song on guitar. I mean, it's that opening. I mean, it's, it's the easiest song. I am a horrible guitar player, and I can show anyone how to play that. So you uh, live it over in the West Bank. Uh, anyway. The West Bank, it was uh, 68 to 73. What'd you see? I mean, and what did you learn? What'd you take away from oh, this? Oh, nothing musically. I learned, <laughs> I took Greek mythology. I played foosball. I mopped floors at the mixers. Oh, I know what I learned. Big fan of foosball. If you're I, over, I had no idea. if you your job is to mop the floors at the mixers, okay, this is sincerely what I learned. And you knew you had to get up at 10 a.m. to go to class, and the bartenders were partying at the mixers, and they wouldn't leave. Yeah. You go mix ammonia with bleach. Well, you that's, spread it thickly that's, around that's mustard, the room. That's mustard gas, isn't it? I, okay, it's something terrible. Yeah. And I would even hack when I was leaving. But well, I, would I would imagine quick so. push it's it around the room, weapon. and I would ditch the club, and I'd come back. I'd run across the street to where I lived, and I would wait about a half hour and watch them all leave. And I would clear the room. <laughs> that's how I cleared the mixers. No, that's a true story. True story. And it's 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 a story that applies today. You know, if you're a if you're a, <laughs> if you're if you're trying to get your job done and you're mopping floors somewhere and the, and the upper echelon bartenders and bar types, although it wouldn't work so well for seventy because it's so big. You need a smaller bar. Yeah, of course. A hallway bar, much like the Sunrise Inn, which we're in right now. Yeah, this would be perfect. They don't even have the terrazzo tile here that the mixers had, that I think is still at the Republic. Oh, yeah, I believe it is, yeah. Still the old terrazzo. Yeah, and if you did carbon testing on it, you could see the traces of mustard gas that you unleashed on the room. Oh, I sure hope so. College, explain it to me. You were almost, you're about ready to graduate, but then you got I've sucked got up. I've 152 credits complete. I need 178. What were you I majoring didn't. in? I went all over the place. I think I ended up finally in speech communications after starting in broadcast journalism. I, I wasn't paying attention to that shit. Yeah. I, I was taking Greek mythology. What were you paying attention to? I, I, I was at Emperor. I was uh, board of directors of Emperor. The, both the state board and the local board. I, you're the state I tried to get it on the Minnesota Daily. Oh. But speaking of which, John Bream was a reporter for the J- Daily when I tried to work at the Daily. He wouldn't but have. But it was a pretty good old boy network over there. In fact, Nick Coleman. It's amazing how much the Daily's the editor. Okay. Oh wow. All right. Yeah. The Nick Coleman, yeah. whose dad was the senator, yes, of course. and now he, I think, I don't know what. He still didn't he go on and be not as big as David Carr, but got yeah, it pretty, did very well for himself. Yeah. 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 So those were the guys that would call in the shots at the Daily. So I got frustrated there and moved out. And I actually put out the Emperor newsletter, which I can see why they didn't like the, 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 the What newsletter? Emperor, Minnesota Public Interest Research Group. Okay, I did not know uh, what that is. Okay. I met Ralph Nader. He, well, come on. The only other college that started a public interest research group before Minnesota was Oregon. Oh, wow. Okay. And this is when Ralph Nader, this is before he ran for office. I, I love the man. Yeah, what do you think about uh, about Bernie? Yeah. An old radical I'm here. Hoping, I am hoping it becomes a Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders election. I That it horrifies will, me. That will... Because you know, Donald's no, going to win it every time. Nobody can cloud the polarization that exists in this country. Exactly. Nobody can cloud it. There's if more it's Trump of them. against Bernie Sanders, there's no hiding in the shadows. Yeah. The rest of the politicians are all hiding in the shadows. I, I don't trust well, you know, that's, a, that's actually a really good way to put it. That's a very Walker. Point. Walker scares me oh, more Walker's than Trump. A fucking moron, and no I, one's going to vote for him the only anyway. One that I kind of, oh, this is where I he's told a you. fucking jackass. I mean, I'm sorry, no, no, it's my podcast, what, so I can call him that. But I mean, we all know that. Yeah, I mean, he's an idiot. <laughs> no, but please, thank you. But now I'm going to cut him off. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't cut him off because 
Well, I'm not hey, his designated that's my job. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we've heard the facts here yeah. at uh, Sunrise. <laughs> you say, what do I remember? I remember Philip Lithman's tour manager from Snakefinger, from yeah. the residents. I remember the tour manager calling me from Europe when he died on the road. Jeez. Well, I mean, me it's, it's Snake Finger, um, and this is something that came up 15 years ago, and we worked together uh, before you fired me. Uh, <laughs> that Wait, I remember you no, do know where that came from. Well, no, I had it coming. I was a shitty employee. No, I understand yeah. it came <laughs> from me. Uh, but I remember Snake Finger being a big deal to you because you were. I remember you were impressed that I that I had a pretty good knowledge of Ralph Records. Yeah, yeah. And and, re, and the residents, and specifically Snake Finger. Now, now explain to me uh, who Snake Finger was and how how did you end up being such a fan as somebody who didn't really listen to much oh, oh, weird ass music? Because this is the the ultimate in weird ass music, in my opinion. Oh no no no! I because I, I don't know how we got to talking. It, it's I, I I got to meet Philip beyond the business scale, and I really enjoyed talking to him. What kind of guy was he? Oh, he was a sweetheart. Very quiet, low key, not arrogant at all. You know, I mean, again, I walk out. You know, I didn't want to meet Billy Idol. He was arrogant coming in, arrogant going out, and if I never saw him again, that was fine with me. Um, and that's why when everybody got excited, he played the turf club yeah. for a $50 ticket or something. He was solo. <laughs> yeah, oh God, it was fucking, know, yeah, I I, I, that, that's appalling. I, I would have rather seen a, a solo Ice's, acoustic. No, I would have rather seen Vanilla Ice's punk band. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably coming back to town. You might Which, have a well, I don't know. If, I guess but anyway, Snakefinger, I'm not letting you off oh, this one. Oh, oh, no, I just got to know Philip, and of course, I, you know, I always... What did you guys do together? Did you, was it just around the club? No, did you guys talked. You just hung out at the club. But in the, in the meantime, when the agent called and said, hey, Snakefinger, remember the first time I got offered Snakefinger, I'm going, what the hell is that? When he died, I said, well, that ends the residence, right? No, they continued to tour, and I kind of, you know, it's just... I, I don't know why, but no, I think that's the time. Well, it's no different than I feel about Dave Perner keeping Soul Asylum's name alive. Really? I say, you know, a good time to have ended that is when Carl. Actually, if you want to go back on it, when Grant Young was booted out his band and they brought in a. But you know, band. I mean, you, things keep moving. You can't you can't fault him well, for that. Well, you can change the goddamn band name. I still think the Rolling Stones should have changed their name when what's his name died in the pool. Brian Jones. Brian died Jones. In the yeah. Pool. Well, I, so I don't. So Mick, think if you're listening, time to time to hang <laughs> it up. No, no, they're making plenty of money. Well, that's the problem with the. F well, you really want to get into the disparity between the wealth and no, the no, poor. I don't. No, I don't, Steve. We're oh, moving, no, no, we're I can on. explain it to you. I, I, Your audience might want to hear this. Just can, how quickly you don't can you do hear it? it? I can't do it quickly. Okay, we're in an hour. We've it's already done an hour of a half-hour show. <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you. This right. is only a half-hour show, and some, I wasted an hour here? Where some editing will have happened. <laughs> I'm just going to be a spoiler just, to everybody listening. This is going to be just like that MTV thing where... Yeah, it, it, and you never finished that story. Oh, that story. So we taped for two hours, Kevin and me. I probably talked more than Kevin. So when it came out, the three minutes... I'll go for another one of these, and I, got, I just realized I had something floating in my beer. So if you could pitch that out, that would be awesome. That wasn't my fault. You no, I don't, I don't, I'm not. That wasn't my fault. You brought them. I, I guess so. <laughs> See, are you ready to throw them out? Thank you. Hey, it's some no protein. That horse. <laughs> so, anyway, when the piece came out, first of all, I was kind of devastated that it was only like a two-minute piece. But the whole thing, I sat like a dummy next to Kevin. There was no, they cut everything I had to say out. And all you saw was me sitting next to Kevin, yeah. Kevin doing all the talking, and all I did was sat there like a dummy. I mean, it, I looked at it, and I went, holy shit, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> and does, do you feel that's what's happening right now, Steve? Well, I'm a little scared of how oh. you can. You can. Yeah. But we know what? Oh, okay. Oh, he wants to know what's going on. Let's, yeah. Well, let's tell him something like we work undercover with the police yeah. on liquor establishments yeah. and minors, serving minors. And All right, Steve. <laughs> let's do this. All right. So See, so every time I want to get something funny in there, you just cut it out. I'm, I'm not cutting so anything. So I'm going to look like this. You're going to make this sound like 
that MTV. That set. time you're on you're MTV. You're going to put all your stuff. Oh, it's all yours. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So, so um, what, what point, what questions did you really want to answer? I remember a lot of things to do with First Avenue, but they're not what people want to hear. Yeah, but I mean. I want to talk about Philip Lithman's Snake Finger. They want to know what I thought of Prince. Yeah, and I'm I not asking about Prince. I tired of interviews having Nobody to do fucking asked you about Prince. You know what I think Don't yell. Don't, don't, don't let me in with everybody else. You, you, you know what the difference? I, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of kids at McNally now. And uh, I, 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 the problem with the disparity and payment to talent problem and, and we should get in this whole rant I'll talk to you about some of the veteran musicians at Schooner but um, I, I, I look at it and for years I butt my heads two years ago I decided you know what I'm doing exactly what I did at First Avenue squeeze the shit out of minimum wage employees buy low sell high yeah. except that with them all what I was doing is I was booking five different venues the bands were all happy they weren't getting paid enough and the venues weren't happy they weren't selling enough beer yeah. So I ended up deciding, you know what? I don't want to sell beer anymore. I don't want to sell beer anymore. Because that's I ultimately like the job of anybody who books. No, nope, no, nope, that's the ch- this this is what I'm trying to tell you. You're not listening to me again. I'm, you I'm, never did listen to me. You ever seen the old Pogo cartoon? No. You don't know the Pogo cartoon? I was born in 1976. Okay, it's classic. Okay, and I'm familiar no with it. I just haven't seen it. No matter what calamity occurred in the duration of the strip. The little character down, the fuzzy little character down in the corner, I don't know if it was a beaver or a penguin or whatever it was, would say at the end, no matter what occurred in the context of the strip, we have seen the enemy, and it is us. Mm -hmm. I love that, because the music business to me, money's in the mainstream, and the mainstream's the problem. You want to fix something, the venues that are fighting to survive, you can't squeeze, you know, I've talked to Willie Murphy and Papa John Colstead, Venues, unless they're making loads of money and just squeezing the shit, that's what big business does. Squeeze yeah. the shit out of, you know, buy low, sell high. Okay, that's the one thing I didn't do right for owners, buy the bands. I did march the. You tried labor. to give bands a fair wage, and well, you tried to have a good too ticket much price. Compared to, but anyway, the, the real thing that needs to be fixed is the mainstream audience, the perception, the audience that can go see incredible talent. For free sometimes, yeah. for five dollars oh, or yeah. for eight dollars. Instead, they'll go pay one hundred and fifty dollars to see the replacements. Yeah. Ten years after they peaked, if well, you really wanted to see the replacements, no, thirty no, years you ago. Saw, let's be honest. So, yeah, I never saw. I didn't see them. Okay. Oh, you didn't go to the Midway Stadium. No, I thought they'd but probably play someplace I, I could get into well, for free. Okay. Well, this is maybe where I'm an idiot. I always thought the replacements had that clown Bob Stinson wearing pajamas. Yeah. And that Chris Mars character that drew. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was the replacements when they peaked. Of course. The chemistry, the yeah. every, all the legendary status that's given them. It occurred during that time yeah. period. What happened at Midway Stadium last year was basically Tommy and Paul. They got paid well. Yeah. Um, and but, but A couple other dudes. You no, know, no, no. Who did I talk uh, Somebody that went and saw the show and said, Steve, Steve, would you felt better if it would be... Paul Westerberg does the replacements. Yeah, well, of course not. Um, you don't want that. Oh, no, no. To me, that would be more honest advertising. Well, but honest advertising doesn't sell tickets. <laughs> I mean, we all know that. Okay. okay, now you're getting to the gist of it. All right. So, if we're going to fix anything in the music business, the attitude of the mainstream, that's what's going to get talent more paid and keep more vital venues open. Mm-hmm. The way it's going now, it's gotten worse. But I mean, do you see the audience going that way at all? It seems like no. It, it seems yeah, like they it's still just gotten, watch American Idol. It's gotten worse and worse. Like when, it's and, and, it's, and mentioning American Idol, yeah, I mean, it became that became what our culture, our pop culture is, which is horrible. You're right, and that's why Donald Trump gets. Yeah, and that's why that's why we're talking <laughs> exactly. This is this is a nightmare scenario. If I heard this recording 15 years ago, I just would have killed myself, Steve. But I would have been happy that I knew you. <laughs> So no, anyway, we, we're no, so we're do you have on. any real questions here? I do, and I'm gonna get to right, one of them right, one of these no, days. No, all right. So um, we've talked enough about the past. Let's talk about now. Um, you're at Demo, uh, which stands for Oh, Diversity Emerging Music Organization. And I was checking the website. Um, by the way, they're expecting a new Steve blog soon. Um, I believe that post is from about two years ago. So you might want to get off your ass and uh, put no, together no, no. a blog I, I, post. I'm kind of I know we're doing a podcast right now. We could use this for I that could. theoretically. Yeah, we could. What, tell me about the new location. This is what we're pushing. This is a big deal. 
It's a huge deal. Oh yeah, I'm excited. I'm but what I'm doing and what the board are doing are no, different. No, no, no. But I want to talk about the new location. Okay, wow new location. Wow me. It's an old bottling building that for years has not been doing bottling yeah. business. It's uh, what I've discovered now that I've been going to this space is I ran into some guy whose brother and wife do metal work. It's and my cousin does this woodwork, but he makes custom made wooden furniture. And I still remember when I asked him one time, I need a desk. What can you do for me, Tim? And he kind of looked at me and said, Steve, you can't afford me. <laughs> so, the, and, and I get that feeling from the, it's, it's like a, most of the space, well, I shouldn't say most. There's some guy that's got a sailboat that's built in the back room, but he can't. He's got to pull it out to put the well, mast in. Well, that's the location. In. Let's actually talk about demos. Well, the demo space <laughs> is a very small space within this building. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to put it into context. I know. Of what okay, I'm the, sorry. I cut you The womb. Off. We're There's in the womb, and these are the other parts of the womb. We're kind of, if I, I, I suggested demo, I don't think the board was listening to me. I said, you know what we should be doing in this space? Instead of teaching people to play guitar, we should be teaching people to build guitars. Okay. Well, you can make. You, there's more money in that. Yes. yes. Being a, a luthier, that's, would you be a luth, no, no. Would you be a luthier? We, we, at that we would. Point? We would also fit in the space. So there's some talk about it. The place looks almost too nice for me to have accepted moving in there. Yeah. But I kind of. It's a real small space. You get 25 people seated. It's full. Okay. That's it's good small. though. No, no, no. It perfectly works for what I'm. See, I'm kind of on a tangent. They're booking. They're trying to create revenue, which I've never been good at. I spend money. I don't make money. Talk to Jack. Interview Jack. He'll explain that to you. Yep. Steve was never good at making money. He would spend it all. Yeah. Okay. In fact, Donald Trump. Ask Donald Trump about making money. I'd much rather be the guy spending it than the guy <laughs> saving yeah. it. Come on. Well, that's marketing Live versus a little. finance. You know, it's like the wind. You well, well, well no, 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 no. Past, so Jeff. they've got a whole. I don't have one event booked yet. I've had several meetings with some kids. Actually, it's kind of exciting. I've talked to Willie Murphy, Papa John Colstead. Um, and then this woman who I ran into Wednesday night watching Willie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Steve, I've met you. You put me in front of Clarence Gatemouth Brown at First Avenue, and you were very nice. You gave me a 20-year anniversary Well, book. you have. I mean, you have to admit, there's a huge community of people who owe you an amazing debt. Am I wrong? No, I mean, no, I don't no, think I, it's a debt that's got fucking paid off nearly no, enough, no, Steve. I think, no, 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 you're going to start making this about, you know, something else. No, but, I mean, I seriously believe that, I mean, you have done more for the Twin Cities music scene than any one person. Do you disagree? No. 200 people to 1,000 people in the, the ears that we were struggling Then who? With. Then, who? then who's, who did All more? Who did more? Kevin Cole. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't Fido. have had a job without you. Um, Neither um, would have had a job without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, I can Steve, take the compliment. My attitude is they all got smart and got jobs and kept going with careers. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting stuck in the place. Demo has a mission statement. Has a plan. I mean, Demo what are we? What are we? Where's plan. it going? What's what's the? We um, got the new location. Well, what's happening next? Me, I want to tackle some of the. Uh, I think the reason why I'm separating opinion from the board is that I don't know what I'm doing, and they want a business plan. Yeah, but I mean, what do you want to I'm do? With it? Well, I'm going to talk to these kids. I want to set up. I've already talked to some veterans and some kids. I want to mix networking parties. I want to bring them in. And what I basically want to do, and I just talked to one kid that's excited about the videotaping. Well, I want to do things that I don't call them, don't call them house parties, Steve. This is what I've been told because it's, it's kids. Yeah. My 21-year-old. It sounds dated, maybe, yeah. Well, no, no, not just dated, but people think they drink. And no, we oh, can't okay. do that. We got to. In fact, one woman that's uh, at McNally Smith now is coming to me because she wants some safe spaces. I don't know if you've noticed the trend in the last couple of years, but not only have all-age shows evaporated, more and more clubs are moving from 18-plus to 21-plus, yeah, yeah. including that's that's been the last couple of years. The Triple Rock is cutting out their 18-plus shows. Uh, you know, the only places, and I'm not going to mention names, that are sell still having a lot of 18 are the ones that are selling beer to 18-year-olds. Yeah, which is a great... Go test it out yourself. Okay, listeners. Which is a great I, market to I, be in, by the way. Yes, it's it's an easy way to make money. If there's any 18-year-olds out there looking for booze, i got a garage And they find it. I, yep. I can bring up clubs that successfully did it until they got closed down. But there seems to be a lot of... A lot of you know, trying to bring in the old guard with the new new guard. Is that uh, that's right? That's one of the goals that was stated to me, and I said that makes sense because I've learned in years of booking, kids don't want any old fucks playing with them. You yeah, know, on stage. Well, I, I got that yeah. at the Wild Times. Oh, well, you don't book with McClellan. He's going to put some old farts on stage. They they don't 
and it's, it's the coolness is gone. Yeah. And then you got the old guys, and I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, what are they going to teach me? Yeah. Shit. I'm going to put these people in a room. I'm going to take John Cass is the one that gave me the idea. Try to get it all videotaped because we're working on a documentary. Yeah, you got and it. And as we're working on the documentary, we could also take clips and throw them up to YouTube. And if we catch anything exciting that's unusual, maybe it'll go, what do they call that on the, you know, when it goes up uh, the light roll? Okay, maybe a band might or an artist that I believe in, or not just me, people believe in. Yeah. Let's, let's not make me the focus. I'm going to learn from them. I'm, I'm, and that's the I, that will excite me. What I don't learn from is, hey, Steve, can you talk to, uh, can you talk to Gary Lewis and see if the Jayhawks yeah. can do a gig? Hey, Steve, can you talk to John Munson and see if Semi-Sonic? Those guys don't want to talk about what they did in the 80s. No, of course not. I don't want to talk about what I did in the 80s. No. I uh, want to know before. I want to spend the last years of my everlasting fucking existence. Stop slapping the table. Oh, that's you can right. hear it through the hear. microphone. I don't want to spend it digging up the past. Yeah. I, I can do that if I if I had a great sensation. I wanted to work in a museum. No, you're not I a curator wanna, of, of past I, events. I, I, I don't want to file old paperwork in a laboratory. I'm. It's a, I, I go out and see more new bands than I do. I see the veterans. Well, that's entirely I Kurt. I wish I, go, I No, did. no, not to be at. I don't want to be respected no, for I, it. No, I'm just saying I wish I did. I'm not I'm not kissing your ass. I'm saying that I'm lacking. So, And people can pay attention to what's happening with DemoWare. Uh, what's the website? There's a oh, website. Oh, the website. I could put a link um, up there. Yeah, yeah. And I, they're still waiting for your first blog post. It still says so. Right there, and Steve's wincing at me mentioning this, but every on the side, because you're kind of like the patron saint of demo, uh, it says Steve's first blog post coming soon. So we need to get on that, Steve. Right, we need to teach you. We need to, need to teach you WordPress or something. We'll get it going. Our sponsors uh, this week, and I'd like to thank them very much for being in here. And before I do this, I need to do a quick addendum to uh, last week's podcast. Uh, I accidentally kind of stated that my guest was a dry run. I didn't mean it like that. I was supposed to have a different first guest, but then I ended up using Reyna, who was great. And then I said at the end, well, this is supposed to be a dry run episode, which made it sound like I wasn't going to actually use it. But I was going to always use it. It was just going to be done in later. So my apologies for the omission or the kind of short-sighted way of looking at it. It made Reyna not look like the guest that I wanted, which she was the guest I wanted. She was great. Anyway, now that the corrections are done, our sponsors. First Car Service, driving smiles without extra miles. Call 612-545-5848. Program that in your phone right now, 612-545-5848 for a ride or 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 face them on Findbook or find them on Facebook. Yes. One Car Service, proud to have them be our sponsor. Stand Up Records, we like our comedy like we like our booze, straight up and bitter. Check them up at StandUpRecords.com. New albums out from Mary Mac, Maggie Ferris. Go check them out. They're Ian approved. And, of course, our friends at Stag Beer. Stag, it's the beer in the golden can. Stag, can't get enough of that delicious stag. Mm-mm, stag. I'd like to thank our guest, our second <laughs> guest ever here, Steve McClellan, for taking us on this roller coaster of conversation. Steve, thank you very much for being here. Uh, if people wanted to find you, they just show up to demo, right? Yeah, or actually, you know, all the usual things. I don't, I, I, I don't hide my email address or phone, but... Demo does have a website, and there's contact information there for everybody. Steve, thank you very much for being here yet again. This is the second ever Dive Bar Mitzvah. We're here at the Sunrise Inn in lovely South Minneapolis. Um, I'd like to thank them for not kicking us out, uh, because there was a while there where it looked like they might, and now I have to talk to somebody's uncle about what we've been doing this entire time. This is... I might be a narc. I'm not ruling anything out. So yet again, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, My name is Ian. I'll see you next week.